As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hello there. I'm Nurse Mo, and welcome or welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast, where I teach nursing concepts and share tips so that nurses and nursing students can thrive in school and at the bedside. So before we dive into this special bonus episode today, let's take a quick minute for a listener shout out out to Nurse Lindsay, who says this. I absolutely love this podcast. Thank you for sharing all of the important information that nurses need to know. I've been an LPN for 17 years, and I'm now finishing prerequisites for my LPN to RN bridge program. It's enlightening to learn new information and to gather tips through your podcast so that I can become a better nurse. I recommend your podcast to all nurses and nursing students I know. Well, thank you so much, Nurse Lindsay, for sharing that. And I love that you're an experienced nurse and you're still coming to the podcast because, yes, we we are always, always learning. It just, it just never stops with this job. So I'm really happy to be along with you for that. Okay, so we're going to dive into our special bonus episode today. And this one is about five ways to set yourself up for new grad nurse success. And be sure to stick around to the end for an exciting announcement, especially if you are a new grad or soon-to-be new grad nurse. So that whole transition from student nurse to actual practicing nurse is kind of that new grad territory that's really stressful for probably every nurse ever, and just a time of intense change, massive personal challenges, a ton of internal growth, a ton of learning. Like you think you learned a lot in nursing school and you did absolutely 100%. You will probably never have that much book knowledge ever again in your whole life. But the real true learning starts as soon as you hit the floor at your very first nursing job. And it can be a bit of a shock. And a lot of times, new grads are unprepared for this or don't really expect it to be how it is. Because honestly, it's one of those things that is different for everyone. And it's kind of difficult to describe. Kind of in the same way, when you try to describe nursing school and how intense it is to someone, and you can tell in their mind, they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm special. I'm a really organized student, or I'm a really good student. I got this. And then you see them a few months later, and they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And you say, well, I tried to tell you. It's kind of the same way with being a new grad. It's really hard to describe just how intense and the constant change and learning and growth and challenges that occur and what that's like. So anyway, short version is it is a time of transition. It's an important and can be an exciting time of transition, 
especially if you take some steps and have a little bit of awareness about things that you can do to set yourself up for new grad success. So we're going to dive into five things that you can do. So the very first thing that you can do as a new grad to set yourself up for success is to actively seek feedback. So here is what I mean by this. So getting feedback from your preceptor is really, really important. So you want to get feedback in two different ways. You want to get in the moment feedback, and then you also want to get kind of a summation and discuss a summation of every shift. And here's why I want this to be something that you actively seek out, because let's say you go to your preceptor And you say, could I get some feedback? Let's talk about how today went or something like that. And if they say, you're doing great, and they can't provide you with any examples of how great you're doing or what exactly you're doing that's so great, guess what? That is not feedback. In my opinion, that's actually kind of a cop-out, if you want to be completely honest. So when you go to your preceptor and ask about feedback, we're going to do it in a very specific way. Feedback should be very specific itself. And again, ideally, it should be in the moment. Now, even with that in-the-moment feedback throughout your shift, I still want you to do a summary at the end of the day. But let's talk now about what feedback looks like and getting feedback. So again, Let's start with that preceptor who says, you're doing great. Again, not feedback, total cop out. Now you've got to come back. So even if just in that moment, let's say this was your very first time de-escalating an angry family member and you kind of felt like it was okay, but it also felt a bit rough. Well, of course, you want to get feedback from someone who's done this a thousand times. So if you go to your preceptor and say, hey, Bobby, how do you think I did with that family member? I'm really interested in your feedback. And if Bobby says, you did great. Again, that's a cop out. It's not helping you at all. So now you've got to come back and you have to actually seek more specific feedback. So then you might say something like, well, is there anything specific that I said or that I did that was helpful? Because to be honest, I kind of felt like I was winging it. You know, I mean, you can be completely upfront like that. Or let's say that you did a dressing change or started an IV or whatever. You can ask for, is there anything specific that I did right when I did that? Because I honestly, I couldn't really remember all of the steps. Or let's say you're talking about your time management and you want to know how your time management or your whole shift went. And they say, I think it was great. Then you come back and ask for specifics. So in that case, you might say something like, well, what do you specifically think that I'm doing well? Anything specific that I'm progressing well with? Because again, if they're just saying you're doing great, it does not tell you what you did well with. Now, as a new nurse, this is normal. It's totally normal to feel that way because as you go throughout your shift every day, every week, you're experimenting, you're trying new things, you're you're seeing if this works or does that work maybe better. And a lot of it will come together as you experiment and try things out. 
but you also really want to get feedback from someone who is there to not only evaluate you, but who has also walked in your shoes and been down this exact path. So let's say they're still really vague. At that point, even after asking for specifics, now it has to be up to you. I always talk about how students must take ownership of their education and their learning. You got to do the same thing as a new grad. So if you're asking for specifics and you're not getting it, now it's on you. Now you can say something like, well, here's how I think that situation went with that family. I felt really strong when I brought up XYZ. I felt really good about that. And like I knew what I was talking about. And I think I came across as kind, but still firm. And I think I did a good job setting boundaries there. That's very specific, right? So you can state what you think you did well with specifics, and then get more specific feedback. You might say, Is there anything I could have done to improve on that? Anything else that you would have said in that moment? and get more specifics. Maybe try not to use yes, no questions like I just did. I think I just said, is there anything else you would have said in that moment? Scratch that. Don't say that. Say, what else would you have said in that moment? Or what other policy would you have discussed with the family member or whatever it is? You know, it would obviously be different on every different occasion, but asking for specifics. And as you Take your preceptor through this practice of giving you timely, specific feedback. And then again, I really like a summary at the end of the day. As they get used to doing that, hopefully you don't have to be like you're pulling teeth to get that from them. They'll get more comfortable And then you'll both kind of grow together in that way because being a preceptor is a really big growth path as well. And it does require having difficult conversations with people. It's really hard to tell someone they didn't do so great at something, but it's also just as valuable to tell them what they are doing great at in a very, very specific way. So in the moment, very, very important. And then for that end of the day feedback, what I would advise you to kind of steer that conversation toward is more of the big picture things, your time management, your prioritization, those types of things. So you could ask, let's talk about how I prioritize my day today. How do you think that it went? Do you have any feedback for me about how I prioritized? And if they again, just say you're doing great, then you've got to get a little bit more specific. It's going to be then on you to say, I really felt strong when I had that situation between Bob's low blood pressure and Betty calling 15 times about her lunch tray and the family calling to get an update on their grandma. So then you would be able to then pull a very specific situation and talk about how you prioritized Bob's low blood pressure, got someone to take a message so that you would call the patient's family back, and then you delegated the lunch situation to one of the techs, for example. And then, of course, you can get vague feedback that says you need work in this area. Or someone might just say, you need to work on your time management. Like that's something that a new grad might hear a lot. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But you need to work on your time management. You need to work on your prioritization skills. You need to work on your charting. Those are not 
very specific bits of information. Okay, yeah, I need to work on my time management. Okay, great. Anything specific about time management, areas where you see I could improve. And then they can go into a little bit more detail. You're spending, you know, a lot of time doing unnecessary tasks. Let's work on you delegating more. So something like that would be more specific. And then you'd have that on your radar like, oh, yeah, I can delegate now. I wasn't used to doing that as a student, but now I can do that. I have a team of people here to help me. So I'm going to work my next shift on delegating more, right? Or maybe they're saying you need to work on your prioritization skills. Get an example. And let's say the example is you had a patient with low blood pressure, but instead you prioritize taking Betty her lunch because she had called 15 times. That is not effective prioritization. So then you could talk about it. You could talk about, I was so frustrated. Betty just kept calling and calling. And I thought if I can just go in there and take her her trace, she'll stop. And I can focus on Bob and his low blood pressure, which is probably something that would run through your mind, right? But then you could discuss it with your preceptor and they could say, actually, no, I know it was distracting to have Betty calling repeatedly. This is when you can set a boundary with the patient. You can delegate that task. And you can focus on the patient that needs the most help right now. And then you can learn more from having that conversation. So having that vague feedback really does span both the you are doing great and you need to work on this zone, getting in there and asking for specifics, even if it's uncomfortable for you. And I know it really probably will be, especially at first, but this is how you learn. This is how you grow. Okay. So number one tip for setting yourself up for new grad success is actively seeking timely and specific feedback. All right, the very next thing I want to talk about, and I alluded to this a little bit a moment ago, is know where you are, realize where you are, accept, embrace where you are on Benner's novice to expert spectrum. You learned this in nursing school and you probably thought, what? I want to learn about taking care of people with sepsis and pneumonia. I don't want to learn about this theory, yawn orama, but this is actually one of the most important things, most important concepts that you can embrace as a new grad nurse. So again, we've got Benner, novice to expert. You know who I'm talking about, right? So if you got very, very, very little clinical experience in nursing school, you may actually be closer to the novice end than a student who got 135 hours in their fourth semester doing a preceptorship, right? That student's going to be closer towards that advanced beginner area. So wherever you are, you're going to be starting out as a new grad nurse, maybe on the high end of novice, most likely in that advanced beginner range. Regardless of where you are when you start, guess what? You're going to feel pretty incompetent in the very beginning. And if you don't feel pretty incompetent in the very beginning, there's a really big chance you're doing something wrong, okay? So looking at Benner, this is 
such solid stuff. You're supposed to feel incompetent at the very beginning, okay? That's just the way it works. You start out as a novice with absolutely no experience. And then as you grow and learn, you go up through her spectrum of novice to expert. So again, if you are working out as a new grad and you're thinking you're feeling competent after a couple of weeks or a few weeks on the floor, I'm really, really concerned that you don't understand your role and the weight of your role. It's one of those things where you don't know what you don't know. And that's a really scary thing about nursing is you don't know what you don't know. Guess what? I've been a nurse now for 12 years-ish and I learn things all the time and I'm like, holy cow, I didn't know that. I had no idea. I didn't know that. That's a little bit eye-opening. So there's always going to be things that you learn that you had no idea even existed or were even a thing. So if you're not feeling incompetent, chances are you're doing this whole new grad thing really, really wrong. So my advice here is embrace accept where you are on Benner's spectrum and use it to your advantage. So let's talk about that a little bit. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask them all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? Well, we hear you and we have been there too. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. Who are we? I'm Dr. Jess Steyer, a public health scientist and also co-host of the Unbiased Science Podcast. Every day, I'll chat with one or both of your new pediatrician besties, Dr. Dina DiMaggio, a general pediatrician, and Dr. Anthony Porto, a pediatric gastroenterologist. We'll talk about all the things related to our kids' health, from dealing with a colicky infant to navigating puberty in the teenage years. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, now live on all podcast platforms. So let's talk first about novice. What is that? That is that nurse with very little to no experience. As a novice nurse, you're inflexible. And I don't mean that as a criticism. It's just the way it is. You don't have enough experience to be flexible. You want to be told what to do and how to do it. Nursing students, 100% are novices. And again, maybe some new grads who got really very, very, very little clinical experience. And that's okay. It's okay to be a novice. We all are a novice at one time. Novices think in very concrete terms. They need a lot of guidance. Novices thrive, absolutely thrive with step-by-step instructions and frequent timely feedback, okay? And then the advanced beginner. This is probably where most new grad nurses lie is in that advanced beginner zone. You have some experience and can identify what the outcome of a situation should be. For example, if I put oxygen on this patient, I expect his work of breathing to decrease. I expect his oxygen saturation level to increase. I expect his heart rate to come down. I expect him to feel less shortness of breath, to feel less anxious. All of the things that I expect from a specific intervention. So when you expect what should happen, when that thing doesn't happen, 
you know you got some problems, right? Let's say I put oxygen on Bob and his SpO2 does not increase. His work of breathing does not decrease, etc. Then we know we got big problems, right? Now, advanced beginners start to form some basic principles based on their limited experience. So in general, you kind of start connecting the dots and you can start relying on past experience to guide you. This is that stage where you're really starting to develop clinical judgment, though you're still definitely relying on rules. You absolutely love tasks and you love lists and all those kinds of things that give you a lot of guidance. Again, this is where most new grad nurses begin. And then the next stage is competent. And I'm not going to go through all the stages, but the next stage is competent. And guess what? This is where new grads think they should be after like three weeks on the floor. You don't become competent until about two to three years of practice in the same clinical area. So when you go in and you're going to your third week as a new grad, and your time management is wonky wonk, and your prioritization is a little bit sketch, and you feel like you're racing around all day, and you often feel like you don't know what you're doing, and you have to look things up constantly, guess what? You're exactly where you're supposed to be. If you think you're supposed to feel competent after a month or two or three months or even four months of working as a new grad nurse, I no, not at all. Two to three years in the same practice area to be a competent nurse. Now, I'm not saying you won't have moments where you feel competent. You won't have certain tasks or situations where you do feel competent. Absolutely, you will. But as an overall feeling of competence and being competent, that's later. That's a ways down the line. So stop beating yourself up right now and preemptively remind yourself that you're not going to beat yourself up when you don't feel like you've advanced to the competent stage on a timeline that really has no basis in reality, okay? Something that new grads like to do because... I don't know, we like to punish ourselves, I guess, when we're in that high anxiety mode of learning and transition is look around at what the other nurses are doing and think, wow, they really have their act together. They really, they're competent. There's no way I feel like that. And now I feel less than, okay, can we just stop doing that? Nothing is wrong with you as an advanced beginner. Embrace the stage that you are at. Here's a great little saying that I learned somewhere. Don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. Okay, that person went through the beginning, just like you are right now. They did it earlier. They got through it. You can look at that person and see, that's where I am going to be in a couple of years. That's not where I'm going to be in a couple of months. Okay, embrace where you are as that advanced beginner. Do things in a way that an advanced beginner does them, okay? Again, advanced beginners are going to, well, let's first talk about novices because I realize some might actually be novices. So if you're a novice, you're relying on rules. You love rules. You love lists. And if you're an advanced beginner, you're also really relying on tasks and lists. So guess what? Guess what you're going to do? Make lists. Don't try to fly by the seat of your pants as you go throughout your shift. 
because you will get derailed very, very quickly. And yes, you must let priority things take priority as they come up, but you can also improve efficiency a lot by relying on lists. And not even just efficiency, but I don't know about you, but if I don't write something down, A, it didn't happen, and B, it ain't gonna happen because I'm not gonna remember to do it. So I, I can get it out of my head and down onto a piece of paper, aka my list. I don't have as much swirling around in my mind taking up mental space, taking up processing power in my brain that is my body's computer. I can use my brain to problem solve and do my assessments and do all of those things a nurse needs to do. But when I'm talking about I got to do XYZ and ABG, all these things before the end of my shift, if I try to remember all those, that's a waste of mental energy. Write them down. Love, love, love a list. So a tactic or a practice that I advise nurses to do, not even just new nurses, but all nurses, especially nurses that are working on their time management skills, is to use something called a run sheet. And what a run sheet is, is it's just kind of like a loose schedule for your day where you can plan out your tasks for the day. And jot things down as they come up so that you don't forget to do them. So the way my run sheets would look for, you know, let's say I have a four patient assignment and I have, you know, laid these out in Microsoft Word or something and and then I just print this template and take it to work. So each patient has a column. Each column is divided into two smaller columns. On the left is what I call like the to-do side and on the right is what I call the remember to chart this and write this down somewhere side. So on that left column for that to-do side for that patient, it's blocked out by hours, right? So it goes from 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. up to 7 p.m. So for your whole 12-hour shift. And when you get report and you go and you're checking out your patients, you can open up the chart and really quickly look at the MAR, see when they've got their meds, jot those down. Don't write down all the meds that they're going to get, but just write down at nine o'clock med, 10 o'clock med, one o'clock med, two o'clock med, etc. So you kind of have a feel for, okay, I know I'm going to give meds at these times. Oh, they've also got AccuCheck. So okay, I'm going to do one here, 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 and here. Oh, I need to ambulate them three times today. Okay, let's try to do that after lunch. Let's do that here, 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 and here. And so you kind of have a loose plan for the day. Obviously, the meds, the AccuCheck's, those are more time sensitive. And then the ambulating three times a day, you're going to fit that in where you can, but it's on there, right? And then I do that for all of my patients. And then you can kind of look at a like a 30,000 foot view of what your day is going to look like, realizing it's not going to stay looking like this because things change constantly in nursing, but at least you have a starting point. You have kind of a map and you might take some detours and you might take some shortcuts here and there, but you'll still get to your destination at the end of it all. And then on that little right-hand side of each patient's area, is what I call like the write this down so you don't forget to chart it area. That's where I might jot down things like, let's say I'm at the bedside and Dr. Bronson comes in and I want to make a note. Oh yeah, at 1432, Dr. Bronson at bedside. So that later 
when I am charting, I can say, Dr. Bronson came in, we discussed this and this and this, I made sure he saw Bob's toe. And he said no other interventions were needed, because I may have my hands full, I might be doing something really important where I can't stop, maybe someone else is on the computer in the room at that time, and I can't chart it in that exact second, but I can do it as soon as I get back out to a computer, right? Or I pop into the room and I see that they've had 200 mils of water and I need to add that to their eyes and nose. I can jot that down, right? So I can do those kinds of things if I'm not able to chart them in the moment. Though, of course, charting in the moment is more efficient in many, many ways. Okay, so that's what I use a run sheet for. But you're going to take it even further because you're a novice or an advanced beginner. And again, you love, love, love lists. And and one of the things that new grads have a hard time with as far as their time management is, and I certainly did this too. My precept is like, you're bing-bonging all around. You're like a pinball machine going to this room and this room and this room and this room. And I realized I was going in to do one thing. And I thought, well, how can I be more efficient? How about I think of five things that I can do when I go in that room, and I'm going to cluster all the things and do them all at once. So you could take a little post-it note, stick it on your run sheet, and just kind of keep a running list of things I'm going to do next time I go into Betsy's room. I'm going to, let's say Betsy asked me for a toothbrush. So I'm going to write down toothbrush. I'm not going to make a special trip to bring her the toothbrush, okay, because that's wasted time, wasted steps. But I could also take her some non-slip socks because we're going to get up to the chair. I could get her up to the chair. I'm taking him his toothbrush or taking her her toothbrush, like I said. I can take her vital signs while I'm in there. I can remove that IV that hasn't worked all day and fill up her water pitcher. Like there's like what at least five things that I just mentioned. So I call it giving yourself a high five. Like try to do multiple things when you go into the room And a way to do that is to make a quick little list. And as you get more experienced, you won't have to jot down every single little thing that you're going to do. But in the beginning, yeah, because you're not going to remember to go and grab the non-slip socks or even the toothbrush that she asked for in the very first place. So again, if you are a new grad, maybe now or thinking about yourself in a few months, If you are looking around and comparing your beginning to someone else's middle and feeling like you should be at that competent stage after a few weeks or a couple of months working as a nurse, you are setting yourself up for failure because you're not going to be competent in that amount of time. You're going to be an advanced beginner for up to two or three years. And that's perfectly okay. Know where you are, accept where you are, and again, use it to your advantage. That is how you progress through Benner's stages. So a moment ago, I mentioned how much novices love rules. Well, advanced beginners do too. So how do we maximize that and use that to our advantage? And that brings me to tip number three, which is know how and know where to find hospital policies. And I know the word policies just sounds super, super boring. But when you're doing a new task, or there's a new piece of equipment, or whatever it is, always look it up in your hospital's policies. This is basically 
your list of rules and exactly how to go about performing this task or this skill. Even tell you what to assess. It'll even tell you what to document in many, many cases. So very early on, find out where the policies are located on your facilities intranet and look up some common things. Have kind of a little library going. You can probably download the PDFs to your individual workspace, or you could probably even print them and put them in a binder if that's your jam. But look up common things like managing enteral feedings. What is your your hospital's policy for when you return the residual? Is it at 200 mils or 500 mils? You wouldn't know unless you looked up the policy. So managing enteral feeding. Blood transfusions is another one, and even something simple like IV maintenance, how often we're flushing those IVs and things like that. So know how and where to find hospital policies is tip number three. And then tip number four is accept that it's going to be hard and that it's supposed to be. So hard doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. What you're encountering when your new grad life is really hard is resistance. And it is in that place of resistance that you learn and that you grow. But it's definitely 100% just natural human nature to encounter resistance and think, holy moly, this is hard. Hold on. Back up. I must be doing something wrong. Well, first of all, 100% not true. You're not doing it wrong. But you are looking at resistance maybe in the wrong way. Instead of running away from that resistance or that uncomfortable feeling and saying really horrible things to yourself in the process, can you lean into that resistance instead? Can you accept that this transition is hard? But also remind yourself, you're going to get it. You are going to get this whole nursing thing. This is 100% one of the key ways that you can build resilience as a new grad nurse is to accept that a lot of it's going to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. You're going to feel resistance. You're going to feel yourself come up against it. And you're going to lean and push into it and ultimately push through and grow. And the next thing I would say to this is that if you expected any of this process to be easy, first of all, I'm not really sure where you got that idea, but sometimes people will say, wow, I didn't know it was going to be hard. I thought nursing school was going to be hard and that working as a nurse was going to be easy because I did the hard part. No, that's not how it is. And secondly, if you think it should be easy, if you think it should be free of challenges, free of that resistance, that will set you up for failure because you will feel challenges, you will feel resistance, and you'll tell yourself, I'm not supposed to feel this way. I've done something wrong. I have failed. So I want you to accept it's going to be hard, but you can do it. You're going to meet resistance as part of your day-to-day. No bigs. You can do it. You're going to lean into it, push through it, and you're going to grow. And then the last tip, and this is a quickie, and it's not a quickie because it's not an important topic. It's a quickie because it's a huge topic, and I'll be devoting a whole episode 
to it coming up very, very soon. But this quick tip is to adopt a growth mindset. So a moment ago when I was talking about resistance and encountering resistance, a lot of times your inclination is to run away and say horrible things to yourself. Well, when we look at growth mindset, you really need to look at your self-talk. And the self-talk happens in the background of everything that you do all day long. So I want you to notice. And, And if you're a student still, notice how you talk to yourself now. Especially when you're in an uncomfortable moment where you're feeling resistance or in a moment where you're being evaluated like a skills lab or a clinical or something like that. But notice how you're talking to yourself. Are you running from the resistance like I just mentioned? Are you saying things like, I'll never get this. I have no idea how other nurses get all their charting done by the end of the day. I don't feel confident. I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. I don't know how to approach those intimidating doctors, all those kinds of things. I'm terrible at IVs, stuff like that. Then you are operating from the standpoint of a fixed mindset. And it's a mindset that places you firmly and very completely into a powerless position. But with a growth mindset, You're instead, you're going to look at these challenges and your failures or your first attempts in learning, F-A-I-L, first attempt in learning, you're going to look at those things as opportunities, not as setbacks. So a very simple thing to do to shift into growth mindset is to change what you say. So a very, very simple way to do this, for example, is instead of saying, I'm not good at IVs is to say, I'm not good at IVs yet. And when you put that little yet on the end, this opens you up to the possibility of growth and progression and getting through this moment of resistance. It's very, very simple, but it's very, very powerful. There's a lot more to this notion of fixed mindset versus growth mindset. So I'm actually going to be diving into this way more in an upcoming episode with my good nurse pal, Steph. So I'm really excited for her to come on and talk to you all about that. So we'll be doing that again in a week or two. So let's just recap real quickly what these five things are that you can do to set yourself up for new grad success are one, actively seek timely and specific feedback. Number two, realize where you are on Benner's novice to expert spectrum and embrace it and use it to your advantage. Number three, Embrace the rules, know where to find the hospital policies. And then another little bonus tip to this, if you really like task lists, like let's say you didn't get a lot of clinical experience and you aren't really sure what are the steps to doing XYZ, your hospital probably subscribes to something like Lippincott or Aselvier or something like that. Is that one and the same? I'm not even sure, but something like that, which is like a clinical skills resource. You pull that up. It tells you these are the supplies you need. These are the steps by steps by steps that you're going to take to do this procedure. It's really, really great. So I would tack that on to knowing how to find policies is nowhere to find their library of nursing skills. 
Number four, accept that it's going to be hard and that it's supposed to be. And five, have a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. So I promised you an exciting announcement. I think it's exciting. So if you're a new grad or soon to be new grad, I've created with my nurse pal friend, Steph, a brand new resource. It's absolutely free. It's called the New Grad Guide. And what we've done is we've taken like the top 10 things that new grads wonder about, have questions about, and we've put it together into basically an ebook, a a guide that you can download and utilize to help you make a successful transition into practice. So you can get that at straightanursingstudent.com forward slash guide. Okay, so go to straightanursingstudent.com forward slash guide to get this free ebook, The New Grad Guide. I hope you found this episode helpful. If you're not yet following the show, please do that so you don't miss any of our normal episodes or any of these bonus episodes that I throw in there occasionally. And I'll see you back here again in a few days for our regular scheduled episode, and that's going to be on lumbar punctures. And then we'll have some more bonus episodes coming up. So I'll see you soon. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment.